Hi, welcome to episode 35 of Talk About the Passion, Spillage. I'm your host, Christian Campagna, and my guest today is author Michael T. Fournier. I named this episode after the Minutemen song Spillage from the Double Nickels on the Dime record. Michael is the author of the 33 and a third book on this very record. And where we did jump around a, a little on the timeline, I thought uh, Spillage would uh, fit perfect for this one. So if you know those lyrics, uh, that might make a little sense. Uh, Michael has authored a, a few books and is a regular writer in uh, Maxim Rock and Roll and Razor Cake. Uh, his writing has appeared in a number of different places, including uh, one of my favorites, uh, which which I didn't know about until uh, he sort of explained it, was the uh, RS500, which is the Rolling Stone list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, he has a few entries on there, including one on X, uh, Wild Gift, uh, Crooked Rain by uh, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain by uh, Pavement, uh, Physical Graffiti by Zeppelin, and my my personal favorite is the uh, Who's Quadrophenia. He has links to all of uh, his writing on his website, which is michaeltfournier.org. You can also purchase his stuff there, and it appears to be updated regularly, which is uh, cool. It's good to see that when people actually update their uh, websites. That's uh, a rare thing nowadays, so... Uh, kudos to that uh if you're a regular listener to this podcast and are you know a big music nerd like myself you, you'll definitely love his uh, writing a few more things before we start off uh one reference in the conversation i wanted to mention was uh i talked about seeing the beastie boys with Firehose in the 90s uh which was uh, may of 1992 at uh avalon in boston uh, and, then, and they did a collaboration on stage, and I was trying to figure that out in the episode, and, and I, j- I looked it up before I recorded this, and uh, it was uh, Public Enemy's Sophisticated Bitch, which was basically fire hose with, uh, I think, the two Adams. Uh, and, that, and that song's also on uh, Fire Hose's live totem pole EP, uh, which had that BOC cover and uh, Super Trunk and a couple other uh, good ones. Uh, I just returned from vacation. I only uh, managed to record one new episode while I was out there. I had, uh, you know, plans to do a few more, but uh, it just didn't work out. Uh, I, I, you know, I wanted to, to, when I do this podcast, it's, you know, it's a lot of work, and I want to make sure I'm always putting, you know, 110% into every episode. And I was in heavy, you know, vacation mode and didn't have the, uh, I guess, the work ethic available in my uh, body to do more than one. Uh, The one I did, though, came out great. I recorded it outside in Long Beach, although you wouldn't uh, even notice it. Uh, And if you want to hear more of Michael, especially in regards to his book on the Minutemen's Double Nickels on the Dime, check out his interview on the episode of You Don't Know Mojack. Uh, the, the podcast that covers that record. Uh, it's their episode number 28. Uh, I have a, a couple other guests scheduled to come out here to record, and I'm going to do a year-end review of music I dug this year, which I imagine will just be you know a list of records with some thoughts on those. A lot of, a lot of good stuff came out this year for uh, my ears anyway. New stuff and uh, reissues, which... Uh, you know, people like me end up buying the same record, you know, every three years or whatever. Uh, you know, I've probably invested, you know, $400 into the same Rolling Stones album. Uh, anyway, you can find this podcast on all of the places you listen to podcasts. Google Play, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
And, uh, th- you know, these are even on YouTube. I don't think I've ever uh, told you that, uh, listener. You can follow me on social media. I keep the Instagram and Facebooks uh, up to date, uh, you know, even between episodes. If you search Talk About the Passion podcast on either of those uh, sites, you should be able to find me. Um, thanks again for listening, and uh, let's get into episode 35, Spillage, with Michael T. Fournier. So I'm here with uh, Michael T. Fournier. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good. Uh, and thanks for coming out here to uh, beautiful Rentham. Rentham is you got a good view out your window here. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah it's, it's nice. It's better in the, in the, the fall and winter when the, the trees uh, start to lose leaves. But yeah, yeah. Do you get charged with a view tax? No, no, no. No, I just, I rent this actually. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. All right, because... Uh, my parents live in New Hampshire, yeah. and uh, the tax guy came around in uh, in like the summer, yep. and you couldn't see the pond from their porch, oh, really? <laughs> so they didn't get dinged with the right. tax. But then like, this is the part of the year, maybe I shouldn't even be talking about this. No, no. You can't see the pond at all, no matter what time of the year it is. No view of the pond. That's crazy. Um, so where did you grow up, Michael? <laughs> well, uh, I guess I grew up in... Uh, until seventh grade, until 1987, I grew up in uh, Boston suburb. I grew up in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a town, I think it was like, I don't want to say it was gnarly, but I remember like as a teenager, I had a tough time there. Yeah. And now it's uh, it's so close to Boston, it's on the commuter rail. Right. But now it's like a, a city that everybody aspires to move back yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And no one can afford to move right. back. Right, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and then my folks uh, built a house in Concord, New Hampshire in 1987, mm-hmm. right? So that was like a year and a half after the Challenger exploded. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's a trip to go back and look at the coverage of that because all these people I know, mm-hmm. uh, all my classmates were on like national television just like weeping. Yeah, yeah. You know, because like yeah, from, all these kids got brought to the yeah, auditorium. Yeah, to watch it, yeah. Yeah, so uh, in... In Wilmington, I was like the youngest kid in a neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I think it was it was pretty suburban Massachusetts. Yeah. Like sports rotated with the seasons. Right. Yeah. Um, then we moved to New Hampshire, and it was pretty rural. Yeah. And I was 13. Um, didn't really have any neighbors. Yeah. I don't have any siblings. And mm-hmm. So it's just like, okay, yeah. here I am, you know? <laughs> uh, so... I went to this new school and um, I found like a, a skateboard magazine in the library that mm-hmm. somebody cut up. Yeah. You know, they, they cut all the pictures of like Tony Hawk. Out. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, I started thinking like, this is something I could do by myself. Yeah. You know, um, so I started, uh, so I, my mom bought me like a, a Volterra skateboard at Bradley's. Oh, nice. Yeah. Bradley's, yeah. And, yeah, Bradley's and yeah. all those like, uh, all those, you know, Dearly departed uh, <laughs> Massachusetts stores, like yeah, Zare, Zare, yeah, yeah. riches, right, yeah, um, yeah. So Bradley's was like our our Concord store choice, like that. Nice. Uh, I started buying all these other skateboard magazines, and 
there was one person in every magazine who had a Sex Pistols shirt on or mm-hmm. a sticker on their board or something. Yeah. And I just kept seeing it over and over, and I was like, all right, yeah. I have to check this out. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of knew about Dead Kennedys a little bit uh, because they were one of those bands that was funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. they're, they never quite got into the, the novelty aspect of it, but... It was easy for like a, for me like you know coming up watching Monty Python or whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. To get into Let's Lynch the Landlord. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Or Kill the poor. Yeah. It's like yeah. so obviously humor. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, but then I bought the Sex Pistols tape, and me and my mom were downtown that day shopping, and like we had to go back home so mom could take a shower, and then we're going to church. Right. Because right? I was raised Catholic, and we mm-hmm. went to the Saturday Mass. Okay. So that I, so that nobody had to get up early on Sunday. Right. So I had time to listen to one song, and it was the first song. It was uh, <laughs> Holidays in the it Sun. It was Holidays in the Sun. Yeah. And so, like, the entire time I'm at church, I wasn't, like, paying attention to the, the Word of God or anything like that. <laughs> I was like, why is this dude so angry? Right. You know, why can't this guy sing? Right. Why didn't they get a good singer for yeah. this band? <laughs> So then I, I branched out after yeah. that, and I just tried to, like, chase down as much of that stuff as I could. Right. And um, were, you, were you listening to other... So what were you listening to before that as, uh, a, as a younger... Before that, like, I remember... Uh, I remember in Concord, my dad bought me a Weird Al record. Oh, nice. Right when uh, Eat It came out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that made me go and listen to some Dr. Demento. Oh, so, yeah, so. yeah. So again, like the Dead Kennedy is like not novelty, but it was right. like, you know, that same yeah, thing. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, I was really into Duran Duran mm-hmm. for a long time. The first show I saw was at the Centrum. Oh, right. I saw Duran Duran and Erasure in 1987. Oh, nice. Okay. I think the same week that we moved. Yeah, okay. Um, like, or the week before we moved, like yeah. the Saturday before. Uh, my dad, like, was totally a trooper and had his fingers in his ears the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and then when I moved to Concord... Uh, I was really used to getting picked on, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, "How do I? What kind of armor can I put up around myself?" Right. So I, uh, I started listening, and everybody was listening to uh, the first Van Halen record with Sammy Hagar. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, "Oh, okay. If I get into Van Halen, right, I can protect myself from yeah. being picked on." <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like if I can wear the right shoes, <laughs> get the Reeboks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so it was that stuff, and then that segued, you know, like Van Halen and Duran Duran segued into um, into the Sex Pistols mm-hmm. th- through Thrasher. Yeah. You know, like, I saw a picture of Johnny Rotten in public image. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, he's in a band. Right. I have to find out about this. Yeah. So I, like, I would go to the library every day and look right. at microfilm of Rolling mm-hmm. Stone and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, going to summer camp, I went to... Uh, Went to Boy Scout camp for for years and years. Like I met some guy who was older, uh, this guy from Chelmsford who uh, made some tapes for me. So mm-hmm. Boston Not LA was on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minor Threat was on there. Yeah. So easy to connect to Minor Threat. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the same thing happened where, in Thrasher, it was like, oh my God, like Ian MacKay's in a band. Yeah. How is this possible? <laughs> how, how did I not know yeah. about this? So, um, so after Duran Duran, I saw. Uh, public image at the Orpheum. Oh wow! I saw B-52s at Old Orchard Beach. Nice. And then I saw Fugazi at the Channel. Nice. And was that the baseball field up at Old Orchard Beach? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, they had. I remember there was a period in like 
late 80s when they, they were having concerts. It was like a little, maybe like a minor league baseball park there. Oh, cool. I saw Los Lobos there. At one oh, point. nice. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, my wife just started listening to them. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, they're, they're a big fan of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fugazi at the channel was on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah. And Joe immediately broke a bass string. Yeah. I remember. So, yeah. like, Ian's like, hey, for I'll give someone a dollar if they go swimming right now. <laughs> And it was the first time I'd ever been to a show without seats. So yeah. it was a pit, and I was like probably uh, sixteen or seventeen years yeah. old. And I was like, "This is how this is how it's going to be from <laughs> yeah. here on out." Like yeah. I want to go to shows like this. So did you? So so that was coming down from Concord. Mm-hmm. From so so with that, did you have friends that you had made up there? That uh, yeah. By down? that point, I, uh, I I had made some friends. Like yeah. I, I met some people in. Uh, in photography class mm-hmm. uh, i remember for that show specifically a whole bunch of people got on the same conquer trailways bus yeah and uh i didn't know where the channel was and we yeah. got dumped off at south station and mm-hmm. we were just like there were two you know two crowds there were yeah. like all these like people with like plastic <laughs> green hats that yeah. day and then there were all the like people with leather jackets yeah so we're just like i bet you follow them these yeah. Guys. yeah yeah i think i probably did the same thing because yep. it is kind of it's a little bit of a walk. I remember you'd have to walk over that bridge and then down that weird street. It was yep. sort of, yeah, it's like a valley of yeah, just weird buildings. And being there as like a teenager in that area of Boston, you were like, this is kind of shady. Yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, it, it definitely made me feel like, uh, like tough. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I can yeah. hang out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I grew up in Swampscott, so I didn't, you know, I didn't live in a city. Yep. So I... Same thing, kind of going into that was eye-opening and right. seeing that stuff live. So seeing those kind of bands live, what was that like the first time? Like Fugazi, that must have been pretty, uh, just the energy, amazing. yeah, like being at like a show without seats, like you said. Um, no. Yeah, I could get as close as I dared. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I, I don't remember any, like, anything specific about the pit but i remember that was big and it was scary yeah yeah and i I was wearing glasses like huge thick glasses Mm -hmm. and i was worried about losing those yeah (laughs) so um so i just got as close as i could and it was just like a a different set of parameters with those shows so you know again at that point i was like you know maybe this happens in my town i couldn't find anything really right i understood that there were matinees at the channel Mm -hmm. um I never got to another channel show. Yeah. But at that point, um, Spin especially mm-hmm. was uh, was really good with uh, with punk coverage. Yeah, yep. So I found out about, um, you know, like I, f- I read about Fugazi and Spin. Right. And I was like, cool, you know. And so I started branching out with, mm-hmm. uh, with Discord. Yeah. With skate videos. Um, mm-hmm. There was that Jason Jesse video, mm-hmm. Streets on Fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so that's when I heard the Minuteman and Firehose and yeah. Flag for the first time. Okay, yeah. So then the uh, the Boston trips, you know, my friends were starting to turn 18 and yeah. drive. So, you know, occasionally I could finagle a ride to right. Boston. yeah. And then, like, going, you, we figured out that if you get off the train at Central Square, you can walk down Mass Ave and hit all the record stores. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then, like, the... You know, the goal was to get to New Comics where there was like pizza upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in the garage. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So those like the record stores had uh, like Second Coming was really good. They had yeah. all the bootlegs. Yeah, the bootlegs. Yeah. Uh, I found Rollins books there. Oh, yeah. So yep. that was great. Yeah. Um, 
there were stores where people like like Julianne Hatfield worked at Mystery Train. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So we're like, hey, like yeah. she's in the Blake babies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was it? Malcolm Travis, I think. Oh, from Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. He worked at, worked at yeah Looney Tunes. Nuggets or Looney Tunes, I think. Yeah. Amy Mann worked at uh, Newberry Comics early on. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was before my time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I saw her in there, but. Yeah. So, uh, so a lot of this stuff you you discovered on your own. You didn't have like a older brother, obviously, to to show you this kind of stuff. And yeah, the guy or... who made the mixtape for me, this guy Colin uh, mm-hmm. from uh, Chelmsford, uh, was you know took me to see Public Image, and then like we went to Harvard Square beforehand. Right. So was, and like so, I went to some of these record stores. Right. Um, and then at summer camp, there was some like there was one older guy named Chris, mm-hmm. and he. Uh, he was like 24 when I was 16, I guess. Yeah. So I could, like, my parents trusted him. Right. So I'd be like, hey, can I go to this show with Chris? Yeah. So I saw uh, B-52s with him, and I saw Sonic Youth with him. Oh, wow. At nice. the Orpheum. Yeah. Um, but but basically, like you said, um, you know, those those guys were great, and they helped. But yeah. I, just, I spent a lot of time in the library. Yeah. And I just read as many magazines as I could. Yeah. And were you, so were you doing... Uh writing as a as a teenager i started to yeah Yeah. um let's see i uh i had my first clip yeah and it's awful like yeah i I found it recently it's terrible (laughs) Uh, i wrote about that public image show oh yeah okay and i've considered uh like bringing it to class and teaching it as like how not to do (laughs) right uh there's so many things in there that are pet peeves of mine now right right i was 15 yeah 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 Uh, i wrote a novella for my creative writing class in high school senior mm-hmm. year and the the teacher was really stoked on it i was uh, i was reading Vonnegut at that point mm-hmm. i was reading uh douglas copeland at that point. oh yeah and douglas copeland was was really heavy on me because that was the first time that that i had seen people who were roughly my age portrayed in a non like nuclear family mm-hmm. setting right you know like books about people uh that i'd read up to that point were you know um like oh you you get married and you go to school and you get a job Mm -hmm. so it was like 1991 and there's people working gigs paying rent and an apartment living together yeah and i didn't know that you could do that yeah so i was like wow this is (laughs) is crazy man this is heavy stuff yeah so i was ripping off vonnegut and right yeah yeah and then uh i and I think I got serious about it when I was like 30 or so. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I was one of those writers who said that they were writers but didn't write for a long time. Right. Um, I did some fancy stuff. I wrote for The Noise and I wrote for okay. Jersey Beat. Yeah. Uh, but I, st- I started taking the the craft of it more seriously when I was when I was 30 or yeah. so. Okay. Yeah. And we, you were writing about music? Mostly, mainly? yeah, yeah, okay. I mostly was, um, yeah, because yeah, all my friends uh, were in bands at that point, right? So it was really easy to go to shows and try and do write-ups for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, like I went to UNH for school, right? And I moved to Boston in '97. Okay. And <clears throat> a bunch of my buddies were in this band, Garrison, that was on Revolution. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I saw like. You know, thirty Garrison shows. Yeah, uh, and I wrote about them as much as I could. Right. I uh, prior to that, up in 
uh, Seacoast up at UNH, I was going to all these Elvis Room shows. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, the queers. Uh, and... Yeah, yeah, all yeah. those guys. Yeah. Right? Uh, this guy, John Clark, yeah. who ran Ringing Ear Records, worked in the English department. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what a what a kind guy he yeah. was. Because like, there's all these, you know, like me and my buddies were all, you know, like just goobers. Yeah, yeah. And he was super patient with us. Right. And uh, we could occasionally hitch a ride to Boston to see some show. Yeah, nice. So I wrote about Sinkhole for Punk Planet. Yeah. And uh, started doing some reviews. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so there you go. <laughs> and uh, so you've, so I went and looked through some of the stuff you've written on your on your website. Yeah. And one of the, the, I was blown away when I saw this because... Uh, I guess I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, yeah, but so, uh, <laughs> so Quadrophenia is one of my favorite albums of all time. Oh yeah, right. And your uh, write up on that was amazing Thank about you. that because that story of uh, Scott helping, I think mm-hmm. the guy uh, that played drums at the show at the the Cow Palace yep. in '74. Uh, it was just one of my favorite stories in rock history. So it was it was pretty cool. Your your so your approach to that was not even really a review of the record. It's a it's uh, yeah, a it's telling of like how yeah it's it's great though it's <laughs> uh, so what was that that was for Rolling Stone yeah the Rolling uh, Stone five the RS okay. five right right yeah um, these uh, it's this guy that I met when I was reading in Austin yeah uh, like three or four years ago yeah so you, there's the list of the five hundred best albums of all right. time for Rolling Stone yeah and um, he has his stable of writers and says, what do you want to write about? Yeah. So the first one I did was for X. It was for Wild Gift. Yeah. And my wife and I uh, moved to Amherst because uh, she was getting a PhD. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a job at that point. Right. So we found the cheapest apartment that we could find. Right. And it was $750. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the, the reason for that is because it had no insulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the elements or from the neighbors. Oh, right, of course. Right. So we just had this miserable time, yeah. so I wrote about that. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Because we're desperate. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, I've done a bunch of other ones since, yeah. and I got asked to do Quadrophenia, and I don't I don't know the who very well. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it's just a, a matter of uh, doing some research, and I right. found out about Scott Helpin playing drums. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I just tried to imagine what it would be like. Yeah. So I found out that he lived in the quad cities of Iowa. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he lived in a flat place and then right. he moved to like a, a hilly place. He moved yeah. to San Francisco. Right. Uh, I knew that Bill Graham was involved in it. Yeah. Um, Bill Graham was also involved with um, with the MC5 getting blackballed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I threw that in there. Yeah. And I just tried to imagine what it would be like. Yeah, yeah. And it was, so I did this like speculative piece. Yeah. Uh, he really did get on stage and play with the yeah, who yeah. and like uh townsend gave him shots of yeah. brandy before yeah. he played <laughs> and uh he did good yeah yeah there's video footage of that, that there is performance yeah. yeah so it's it's a pretty crazy so that was pretty cool and you Thank did you. uh crooked rain i think I did or, crooked, rain, yeah. crooked rain yeah that's one of my favorite records too that's oh, i love pavement yeah yeah so yeah. um so, going backwards, you did the the thirty three and a third on the Minutemen. Yep. Uh, so, how did you get into the, those guys? We were saying you heard all the SST stuff. Yeah, yeah, that point. was uh, specifically that was Jason Jesse skating the Fallbrook ramp. Yeah. in Streets on Fire. Yeah, and I was like, um, you know, by that point, I guess I understood that uh, there was a Boston scene. Yeah, right. Um, there were some guys at school and mm-hmm. high school 
who were going into matinees. And yeah. So I, I knew of Slapshot. Right, right. And I was like, my hair's not long. Right. My hair's like two <laughs> inches long, right? Right. But I was told early that if I went to a Slapshot show, I would get the crap beat out of me because I had too much hair. <laughs> well, the guitar player had long curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I know, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was afraid of the, the scene. Yeah. You know? I was totally intimidated by it. Right. Um, and I was like, oh, geez, if I like... I go to see any Boston bands, I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. Like my glasses are going to get broken right. and I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. So the Minutemen, um, you know, I try to work and I keep thinking of World War Three. It was like, yeah. oh my God, this is funny. Yeah. These, like, thank God there's a band that has a right. sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, at the Harvard Square Newbury Comics, I got Post Merch Volume 3 yeah. at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got... Double Nickels in Concord. There was yep. a record store called French's mm-hmm. that stocked SST and Discord stuff. Right. Uh, I just over time I, I chased down everything by them and by Firehose. Yeah. I've been listening to Firehose a lot this week. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, and uh, they that was, Double Nickels was always my favorite yeah. record. Right. Because you know, there was so much to absorb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had it on tape, so. Just listening to side one yeah. was was an epic. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, uh, when I was living in Boston, I was uh, I was working in Davis Square for a long time, mm-hmm. and I lived in Alston. Okay. And to get to work, I could either like wait half an hour for a bus that wasn't going to come, or I could just walk. Yeah. So I just walked most yeah. of the time, and if I had free time, I would go to to the garage. Yeah. Yeah. So. On one of those days, I uh, I went to the garage. I had you know fifteen minutes to yeah. walk around, and there was the row of thirty three and a third books. Yeah, and I was like, cool. Like, I wonder who wrote the Double Nicholas book. Right, and nobody had. Yeah, so it was like the light bulb went off. And I was <laughs> like, oh, maybe I could do this. Yeah, so I wrote to David Barker, mm-hmm. who was the uh, series editor. Okay, and I asked him what to do, and he said, here's when the pitch is open. Yeah. And I didn't know that there was this like sort of uh, cottage industry around the pitch process. Oh, there is, yeah. Uh, thank God I didn't have to deal with right. that. Right, yeah. Because um, everybody like everybody's talking about which records they pitched. There's right. this huge like list. I bet, yeah. I didn't know, and I was yeah. so I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, somebody else pitched Double Nickels the same time I did. Oh, nice. I found out. So I pitched it. I told uh, Continuum at the time mm-hmm. that. Mike Watt was going to help me out. Yeah. And then I got in touch with Mike Watt. Uh, and I was like, hey, can you help me out? <laughs> because of, uh, because We Jam Econo had just come out. Yeah. Right. So I saw that at uh, Coolidge Corner Theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it there. Yeah. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, right? Seeing deep. Yeah, seeing like, it. I know. Big like that. Yeah. yeah. So you, you obviously, you didn't see the Minutemen. No, it was too Because it was, yeah. I saw him once. And... At the time, I wasn't really into. So again, it was another one of those SST bands that came through that I just wasn't paying attention to. And now I, you know, kick myself because two years later I, I got into them and okay. you know. Did you so. see Firehose? I never actually. Yeah, I saw Firehose open for the Beastie Boys in okay. Public Enemy. Not Public Enemy. The Beastie Boys. I think it was just the Beastie Boys at Avalon and the Check Your Head tour. I remember that. But yeah. at the end of the show, or at the end of. Firehose is set, or the Beastie Boys, they came out together and did uh, Public Enemy. Uh, May Uzi weighs a ton, or she watched, or one, I don't know, they did a Public Enemy song. Oh, that's so and uh, I think it was, I don't know what it was. I should research that. I'm sure I could find 
info on that somewhere. But yeah, they came out and, and played together, and it was very loud. <laughs> I never so. actually saw what until yeah. after the book came out. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Like we were talking before uh, you turned that on. Yeah. I was going to see him in 2004, yeah. but it was the day the Sox won the series, right. yeah. so I skipped that. Yep. I just managed to miss all the fire hose shows yeah. at the Paradise, yeah. and uh, I think the first time I saw him was, was with the Stooges. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Uh, which, I know that we're doing tangents. Right, tangents right. Oh, now, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this like this day that I had when the Stooges played yeah. uh, the, the Orpheum. Yeah. Um, me and Watt had lunch first. Oh, really? The book just came out. Yeah. So I met him in Chinatown. Yeah. My wife came out. I gave him the book. Yeah. And so all day I'm tripping. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, man. I just, <laughs> me and Beck had lunch with Watt. Yeah. And they were going to meet friends for uh, for the show. And we were at that place, Silvertone, which is a downstairs bar over right. by the Orpheum. Yep. No phone reception in there. Right. So I came out and Watt walks by. Yeah. I'm like, hey, do you want to come hang out with us? And he's like... You know, he sounds like he sounds. You know, yeah, he's like, yeah. no, gotta go. Da, da, da. He's, yeah. He has to go and sound check. And he's yeah. like, you see that guy in the window? Beantown Pub. Yeah. I'm like, that guy right there? He's like, that's Hugo Burnham. And I was like, that's the drummer of the Gang of Four. Yeah. He's like, tell him I sent you. So I went in and I was like, hey, are, are you the drummer of Gang of Four? And he's like, his hands over his face. And I was like, because I wrote this book about Watt and his eyes lit up and he's like, oh, da, da, da. Right. so I hung out with him. Nice. And then we went into the show and I was like, check out this, like, who is this dude? Right. Who is this dreadlock dude wearing right. overalls? Yeah. And it can, it's Springer, right? Oh, right. <laughs> who else? Would it be? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, so I met Springer the same day. Yeah. I met Hugo Burnham and had lunch That's with crazy. Watt. And then I bought the uh, the fan club tickets. Yeah. Um, so we were in like the the fifth row. Yeah. And they start playing "I Want to Be Your Dog." Yeah. And uh, he starts yelling, "Like, let him up!" Yeah. So everybody rushes the stage, and yeah. I'm just standing there with my mouth open, and I'm like. <laughs> oh my god i can't believe that everybody is getting on the stage what a great moment this is yeah. and so like my wife grabs me and she pushes me up yeah. there so uh, so me and my my buddies like were pogoing and found each other and we just like <laughs> on stage on with stage the yeah so, so that's that was pretty crazy yeah yeah that is a day <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember how we got to this. Uh, yeah, this tangent. Uh, well, just talking about, I guess, talking about the the, the Minutemen book. Oh and yeah. So how, how did you first get in touch with uh, Watt? Oh, was, that's right. It, I saw we saw mm-hmm. um, we Jamie Cono at Coolidge School. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So after the show, after the movie, they're selling shirts. Yeah. So I went up to buy a shirt, and this uh, this woman says like. Oh, cool! Thanks for buying a shirt. It saves us a trip to right. the post office. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Are you one of the people who did the film?" And she's like, "Oh, this is uh, this is my husband Keith over here. He, you know, he's one of the guys who made the film." Right. So I started talking to Keith Sheeran, mm-hmm. right? Who just like he just died last year of uh, brain cancer. Oh, wow! Yeah. So and he was like maybe fifty, like so I was super Crazy. bummed about yeah. that. Total sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, Keith. You know, Keith talks to me for a little bit, and I'm like, "Yeah, I, I want to do this book." And he's yeah. like, "Okay, if uh, if you need any help, let me know." Yeah. So, some months down the road, I'm like, "Hey, Keith, remember we talked at Coolidge Corner? Yeah. Uh, can you put me in touch with Watt?" And so he forwards this email to Watt, and like, you know, I get the whole email chain, yeah. and it says, "Dear Watt, I don't know who the fuck this guy is, <laughs> but he wants to talk to you." Right. And then so Watt, of course, is like. 
you want to come to Pedro? And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, I'll come to San Pedro. Yeah. So uh, in 2006, right when uh, New Year's Eve happened, yeah. I think January 3rd, I, uh, my friends in Los Angeles drove me to San Pedro. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met Watt at his place. And it was like being in Weejami Kano. Yeah. Yeah, I got in the van. He oh, and he around. gave you the tour? Yeah. That's awesome. So he's like, he points to a building, and I'm like, he's going to tell me that's the teen post where the yeah. first show was. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so then we went to Sacred Grounds Coffee House. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had the list of all the um, the songs. Right. And I don't think he prepared anything. Right. But he, like, he hit, like, probably, you know, more than half of the songs. Yeah. Just in his explanation of right. stuff. And so I transcribed that. I got in touch with uh, with other people. This is right as my, my class at Tufts was happening. Too. Right. So I, uh, I applied for this gig at Tufts for the Experimental College teaching punk rock history. Mm-hmm. And uh, podcasting was just starting to happen. Yeah. So I did... Uh, podcasts of all the listening assignments oh nice and i think they like that yeah so i used the class uh to get uh people interested and i started having people come to the class and i could talk to them about the minutemen yeah uh, clay conley came to class oh nice um so yeah so nice. and then uh it worked you know the yeah. pitch got accepted <clears throat> i transcribed all the tape and the way i did the book is um I couldn't do a long book about the minute. Right, yeah. So I, I decided that I was going to try and do, I think, like 500 words about each song. Yeah. Because each song is like some gag. Yeah. You know. Right. That San Pedro dudes yeah. have. Yeah, there's a ton, so many inside jokes. And I think on the, uh, we were talking before about the uh, the Mojack podcast. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, those uh, guys are awesome. Yeah. And uh, kudos to them for giving us all this crazy information about you know SST SST record stuff that we we normally wouldn't have known of right but, Brent Ryan you guys are doing good yeah yeah and uh, but I think on one of the episodes they were talking about one of the maybe one of the Minutemen records had a, a sheet with it that had all the like a glossary of San Pedro terms <laughs> oh, oh no maybe it was a, a fire I think it was a, a so maybe the one of the Watt records I think it was one of the later era Watt records I think the, so. uh, yeah the uh, pump, what is it, the pump room? or Oh, contemplating the engine room? Maybe, yeah, okay. I, th- I think. But yeah, one of those, they said there's a glossary of on the inside of it yep. <laughs> with all the inside jokes, which yeah, is kind of crazy. It's so dense, you know, it's so impenetrable Yeah. Uh, to everybody but them. Right, right, yeah. They uh, they assumed that everybody was going to get all these obtuse Right, right. You know? Yeah, and it's crazy that that became like a, I mean, it's, it's an international, just it's a huge record for, important record for lots of people. And to have that much stuff that people might not really get is, is, is pretty crazy to, to think about. Yeah, and I'm, I'm uh, you know, I feel fortunate that I was the guy who got to ask those questions. Yeah, 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 to get in the, in, into Mike's brain. And uh, so he, he must have been happy to do that, too. He seems pretty <clears throat> into talking about, his, you know, music and creating and that kind of stuff so that must have been uh, cool for him too to kind of revisit that stuff and bittersweet for for him as yeah well. yeah i think so he was he was super cool about it he uh answered all the follow-up questions yeah um i've seen him i bumped into him a bunch of times yeah I, uh, i've done two gigs that he's been on yeah uh the way i got my novel deal yeah is that 
for the 25th anniversary of Double Nickels, which mm-hmm. would have been 2009. Yep. Uh, this publisher in New York wrote to me, and they mm-hmm. were like, I was living in Maine at the time. Yeah. And they were like, hey, we're doing this 25th anniversary thing. Do you want to come down and, uh, and be part of this? Mm-hmm. And so I immediately wrote back, and I said yes. Yeah. And then they wrote back, and they said, oh, Mike Watt and Richard Hell are going to be there. And I was like, well, <laughs> sure. that seals the deal. Yeah. So um, since I was living in Maine, it would have taken eight hours to get there. So yeah. I, I flew to New York, mm-hmm. and uh, I met Peter and Kathy, who do Three Rooms Press. Yeah. And I did the, uh, did the, you know, I talked about the book. Yeah. Um, my friends in Worcester are in this band called Pillow Man, mm-hmm. and they, uh, every, for Halloween, actually yeah. tonight at, okay. uh, at the Hotel Vernon, yeah. they're doing uh, the Minutemen covers. So. Oh, nice. So Peter and Kathy were like, hey, do you know anyone who uh, might want to play this Minutemen show? And I yeah. was like, I think I might have something yeah. for you. Oh, nice. So I got those guys on the bill. Um, so I did that. And then I did uh, when Watt's book, On and Off Bass, came out on Three Rooms Press. Yeah. Peter and Kathy were like, does your band want to play? Right. Um, in my first novel, there's a fictional band called Dead Trend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I would just like walk around the house and I'd be singing these like... Yeah these polka songs, which are hardcore yeah. songs in my yeah. head. And my wife was like, you should like figure out how to play those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause she knew all the words to right. like broken bones and bad policy <laughs> and stuff like that. So I figured out how to play them. And, uh, my buddies, uh, Tim and powers were in a band up in Maine called great Western plane. Yeah. And I was like, do you guys want to be in this band? And then we got my buddy Jay to be the singer. Okay. Having never been in a band before. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's perfect for it. Nice. So Dead Trend plays this show, like we played maybe 10 shows before yeah. that. And uh, we play this show in New York City at La Poisson Rouge. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so Watt, Jay Maskus, and Murph are the, the Stooges cover band. Yeah. And then there's this rotating cast of characters singing vocals. Yeah. So like Kurt Vile and Thurston Moore and Sharon Van Etten are singing vocals. <laughs> It's like, how is this happening? Right. You know, <laughs> That's pretty surreal. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so this, this, that book was uh, Hidden Wheel? Is yeah. that the, yeah. yeah. And so what, what was the story with that book? Uh, I was writing that in Boston before I went up to Maine for grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the Minimet book, because of teaching at Tufts. Right. Uh, I got an interview at UMaine. My mm-hmm. wife was going there at the time. Yeah. And I got accepted to this program. Which was shocking to me because yeah. uh, I was such a bad student. Right. I just like, I majored in like smoking cigarettes <laughs> and growing my hair. Right. Yeah. Uh, at UNH. <clears throat> so I got into grad school at UMaine. Yeah. And I think that was the, that program was the push. Yeah. That got the, uh, the novel draft to be a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked with this guy, Dave Kress. Okay. And mm-hmm. he was in a bunch of Boston bands. Like he was in a band called uh, No Such Animal. Okay. They played TTs a little yeah. bit. Okay. And I worked with this other guy, Alex Irvine, mm-hmm. and he's a uh, sci-fi writer. Oh. Wow. He just put out an illustrated guide to ba- the illustrated history of baseball. Oh, nice. I'm not telling you the right name. Right, right. But, yeah, Dave was like a postmodernist, and Alex was a sci-fi guy. Okay. So I, I got you know those two um, those two points of view in there. Mm-hmm. The book was essentially, you know, like the the me character living in Alston. Yeah. Except okay. it's not Alston. It's, right. Uh, it's Freedom Springs. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the framing device that I used for it was that 
a solar flare erases everybody's hard drives. Mm -hmm. So all the scholars of the future no longer have digital records. Right. So they have to reconstruct what happens now based on like fanzines and records. Mm -hmm. and oh, nice. So it's like, you oh, know, there's awesome. a nod to this culture. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah, Detran was a fictional band in yeah. there. There's fake flyers in that book. Um, there's a character who's so caffeinated that there's no punctuation. <laughs> uh, very grad school of me. Right. Very clever of me. Yeah, and yeah. Then, uh, then I took the book on tour and I couldn't read it right out loud because i was like ah oh, this is impossible <laughs> right <laughs> so in that book in swing state the yeah. next book the um the character with the fractured narrative has like these really punchy like two or three syllable sentences nice because i was thinking more about reading out loud right than being in grad school right i guess okay yeah and then uh, you want to talk more about the, the Tufts, what you were doing at Tufts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Experimental College is uh, is the program at Tufts. Mm -hmm. And if you think you're an expert at something, you apply for this gig. Yeah. Uh, and I told the Experimental College that um, I would be incorporating podcast technology into a traditional history class. So yep. it was multimedia. Mm -hmm. And I started the class with like the Velvet Underground Mm -hmm. And I sort of, I used uh, the the texts that were available at the time, so our bank of your life, yeah. and we got the neutron bomb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I sort of cobbled together uh, a history class. Yeah. I would have people come in. Uh, yeah. Again, Clint Conley came in. Yeah. Total sweetheart. Right. Um, Adam McGrath and Steve Brodsky from Cave In. Oh wow. Uh, Ed from Garrison came in. Yeah. Ian McKay came in. Nice. Yeah. So I had a day in Boston with Ian. Yeah. And that was super fun. So I taught that for like three semesters, I think, mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And um, it would be so much fun to try and do that now. Yeah. Because there's so much more material than there was. Yeah, I was going to say, at that yeah, at that point, those there really wasn't many books. And now it's, it's, it's like 15, was that 15 years ago, 10 years ago? Yeah, geez. I think 10 years ago. Yeah. And now there's... So many, you know, it's, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of information that we didn't know. So it's kind of cool to see everything getting documented now by different people. Yeah, like we're, you know, you're a couple of years older than me. Were you like, were you cognizant of like, of all the touch and go stuff, of negative approach and everything? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Because I had, uh, I was buying, yeah, because I, I got. When I first got into it, people gave, would give me like a list and say, buy these records. Mm -hmm. But one of them was the Process of Elimination, oh, yeah. seven-inch single. Uh, the Meat Men, which I don't <clears throat> I don't think it was on Touch and Co. It was on, uh, I don't know what it was on. But that was one of those, that record wouldn't be able to come <laughs> out now. Right. And even like when I listen to it now, I cringe, you know, because yeah. I'm like, Jesus. Uh, but and then Negative Approach Tied Down was 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 the next one. And then... I kind of got into sort of that Midwest stuff a lot, the Necros and uh, that stuff, but I didn't know much about it. It was all it was very mysterious, and uh, you'd see maybe reviews and interviews, but yeah, there wasn't much history that you, at least I knew about in here in Boston, so I wasn't uh, that aware. It was all sort of mysterious to me. Once it got further and further into the middle, yeah. I kind of knew the L.A. Black Flag and Dead Kennedys up north, and then 
Boston and DC, but the stuff in the middle is kind of mysterious to me for whatever reason. I think Austin was was documented yeah, a little and, bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess with Austin, like it goes back to like the uh, the bad brains thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, which was always a bummer. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, um, and there was like there were some books about Toronto. As yeah, well. yep. So it would be fun to teach that again. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it would be fun to incorporate no wave into that oh yeah yeah um but i think in retrospect like that was a that was a once in a lifetime thing yeah you know definitely but i bet you somebody could convince tufts that that class should be done again yeah so somebody you know hey pick up the ball <laughs> come on listeners <laughs> and uh so you so you're you do a, quite a bit of writing still mm-hmm. for and you do reviews and do you do uh creative aside from writing books like creative stuff if you try to do that, I balance do. both. Uh, yeah, I, I try and have balance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. Yeah. Uh, the way it works now is that I get up, and uh, for like two, two and a half hours in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, I work on the next book. Okay. After Swing State, I wrote a book that wasn't good. Yeah. And I was bummed out about it for a little right. while, and then uh, starting in. Uh, February this year, I yeah. got over it. Yeah, like I had like not good, and and you just weren't satisfied with it, or I thought it was done. Yeah, and I sent it to uh, my editor. Right, um, and she, you know, I'm a, I teach writing. Right, right. So the way that you do it is you put the nice, you put the like the nice stuff up front. Right, and then the the critique. Right, and then. Like, if you work on this, oh, right. it's going to work out okay. Right, right, right. And so my editor, who I love, and right. you know, God bless her, does that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, here it comes. Right. And like the 11 things that followed, right. like that was the whole book. Yeah. She's like, you need to work on this. And I was like, oh, so basically, like, <laughs> this is no good. Right, like, right. And I was sad about it. Yeah. But I think I forced it because yeah. um, it's, I can't remember who said this, but it's like, you know, when you drive at nighttime, mm-hmm. you can see as far as the headlights. Yeah. You know, so, and that's like, that's the way that I should be approaching my fiction. Is yeah. That like, I'm driving a little bit every day and I right. can see this far ahead of me. Mm-hmm. But with that, with that last book, I was like trying to get to these spots. Right. And I was, there are no roads to those spots. Yeah. So I was like forcing those spots. Right. Um, so the new book, like I'm working on that two or two and a half hours a day. Yeah. Um, I've been writing for Razor Cake for five years. Yeah. That's your. They used to be Flipside. Yeah. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't realize that. Okay. Uh, Todd. That Taylor. makes sense. Yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah. Um, Todd Taylor was uh, was working with Al Flipside mm-hmm. when Flipside folded. Yeah. And uh, after that, Todd put Razor Cake together. Oh, right. Fifteen years ago. Yeah. Right. So, I've been writing for them for five years. Yeah. And uh, it's like it's the thing that I always wanted. Yeah, I always liked them better than like the the, the camps where Maximum Rock and Roll and Flipside. And I actually recently even went on eBay to see if I could find some old issues of Flipside because that, that was my favorite, and it was much better than Maximum Rock and Roll. But I'm not <laughs> afraid to say that in public. I think it was uh, I don't know, it just covered more stuff, and I like the it seemed like cream magazine to me almost oh, for, cool. for like similar to that like if you thought of like well i wouldn't think a maximum rock and roll is rolling stone mm-hmm. but same kind of thing i guess yeah. like I, I, but 
Yeah, flip side, I always liked. So I didn't realize Razor Cake was was part of that. So. Yeah. Yeah, so some of the same writers, um, like Jimmy Alvarado, used to work oh, yeah. for Flipside. Yeah, and he like his he's voluminous. Like, yeah, so much of the uh, the reviewing that he does. Yeah, or so much of the reviewing is done by him. Yeah, you know, because yeah. he just does like fifteen or twenty reviews. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, and I I just started writing for Maximum too. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. So, because I feel the same way. Yeah. About it that you did. Yeah. Um, when I was reading it, it was like from 91 to 95 yeah. or so. Okay. And certainly like you can't fault Tim Yohannan for having a vision of what it should be. Yeah. Yeah. But the vision was really narrow. Yeah, yeah. And by that point, um I could read Punk Planet, yeah, and Heart Attack, yeah, and Hitler's. Oh yeah. So I read all of those. Yeah. And uh honestly when Reverend Norb quit Maximum. Yeah. I was like Yeah, oh, yeah, I know, right? That was yeah, and and I and I do I did love Maximum Rock Roll. I don't mean to say like I didn't, but uh, but yeah, you're right though. It was a very narrow sort of vision, and you know I, I aligned with them politically, mm-hmm. I think, but musically it was it seemed kind of narrow to me. Yeah. They it's so much more impressive now than it used is it? Yeah, yeah. nice. It's, uh, it's super refreshing, and like you know Al Quint writes for them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my friend Erica from Western Mass moved mm-hmm. to Oregon. Yeah. And she writes, she's got a really specific thing. Um, yeah. She writes about like sort of chilly, spindly post punk. Oh, all right. It sounds like the fall. Oh, nice. Yeah. Interesting. And there's this whole, like, I don't, that's not the the vein that I mine. Right, right. You know? So, yeah. But I like that stuff. Yeah, so yeah. Erica's columns are so good. Nice. Um, so yeah, I write for Razor Cake. I write for Maximum. I write for Chicago Review of Books. Nice. Uh, I pitch a bunch of other places. You know, I get some creative stuff here yeah. and there. Uh, I do book reviews. Mm-hmm. My wife will say correctly that this is all just a racket to get stuff in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, but, like mail day. Yeah. 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 When I did the zine, even though it was you know early on. Uh, you know, I remember writing to Placebo Records, who had like JFA, and yeah. uh, I don't know if I was on the a, the SST list, but you could just write these companies and say, "Hey, I'm, I do a zine, and uh, if you send me promos, I'll review them, and you can, you know, and I, they just send you stuff." And uh, yeah, same guy, but it was on a much smaller level. So. Yeah. But now, do you think uh, music writing nowadays, now that print format isn't like a huge thing? Yeah. How is it uh, different now? Do you th- are, are people into it as much? And That's a good question. Um, there was... I had forgotten that Pitchfork existed. Yeah. Right? It just like sort of, like, sort of stopped yeah. being interesting to me. Yeah. This week, I can't remember who it was, but there's like there was some band that got a 1.6 on Pitchfork. <laughs> yeah. And it showed up in like on my Facebook feed and on my Twitter mm-hmm. feed. And I was kind of surprised that like that pitchfork was still a thing yeah and that um being you know mean about a record right. got a bunch of attention yeah yeah because you know? there was in the 90s there was definitely that period like the mean zine period yeah yeah and it was kind of fun yeah 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 you know? of course um but now it's just like it's content driven yeah yeah you know? there was also there was a hot take this week somebody was like Oh, in utero is a bad record, and I was like, Come <laughs> one on. of these. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it's always just those, such obvious. Yeah, calling. I know. There's so many of those. There was one a few years ago that was like, 
It's like the 10 worst, but I don't know. There's, there's a few different guys. I'm not going to mention their names that write a lot of those kind of trolling articles that are uh, that are basically just like, you know, it's, it's not even like interesting or funny usually. It's just kind of silly. Right. But it fuels idiots to, to be like, yeah, the Beatles do suck. You're like, oh, no, they don't. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> yeah, like that kind of stuff. You know, there's always those articles. Why Nirvana sucks or that kind of thing. You're like, uh how about you tell me why they're great or, you know, just something else. I don't know. That that kind of writing to me is is, is just not interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more interesting and more engaging now to um, to just take the armor off and be like, hey, I like something. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Not couch it in any sort of irony and just be yeah. like, I like a record. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I, I like critics. I like writers who do that. Yeah. Like I mentioned Erica. I mentioned mm-hmm. Al. Yeah. Um, Sort of like on the the bigger scale, uh, Amanda Petrusic, who writes for uh, for the New Yorker, is mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, she's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanif Abdurraqib yeah. uh, was writing for MTV News for a while, mm-hmm. and he his collection of essays, yeah, um, they can't kill us until they kill us, mm-hmm. is just fantastic. Yeah. So there was like there was an article in that about the embedded racism in punk rock, mm-hmm. you know, and it, like certainly. Um, Lester Banks did that before. Right. Yeah. But it was like it was uncomfortable to me in all of the best ways. Yeah. Where I was like So what is it what is he what is he talking about in that? Uh just in that essay he's just talking about how um you know, he's the only black kid at the punk show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and about how, you know, everybody there thinks that they're like an outcast and right. an outsider. Yeah. You know. Um and it's it's not true. Yeah. Or it's, yeah, yeah. it's true in certain yeah, ways, right, but not right. other ways. Yeah, of course. So it made me, you know, check myself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when I feel my defenses go up. Right, like, right. Like, actually, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, actually, right. I'm defensive because he's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I like that. Like, those those people are doing really good work. Yeah. And I think that um, the reason I gravitated, to, gravitated back towards Maximum was mm-hmm. because... That's how I used to find out about stuff. Yeah. You know, like when uh, when I'd go to Newbury Comics, there would be 10 new zines that were Yeah, out. yeah. And if a band showed up in six of them, right. I was like, oh, That's okay. going to be something, yeah. 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 So I uh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, so that's why I'm happy to write for Razor Cake. Yeah. When stuff is in Razor Cake and Maximum, yeah. I, I go and check it out. Yeah. Um, Big Takeover still comes out. Oh, yeah. Jack Rabbit yeah, still yeah. puts that out. Nice. Uh, so those are. Uh, those are like bibles too. Yeah. yeah. Those are those are those are good. There's a lot a lot of a lot in those. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it's like people, uh, the complaint like the, uh, the complaint that you start having when, you know, maybe when you have kids or when your your job takes over your life or something yeah. is. Um, like oh, it's like there's no good music out there, <laughs> and it's which is yeah. totally bad. right. I know. I had that, and I, yeah, same kind of thing. It was just a sort of a, a busy period in my life where I just wasn't paying attention. But it was me. It wasn't, I just stopped paying attention. And then at one point I heard, I think it was probably the early 2000s is when I was that guy. I was like, yeah, there's no good. And then I heard the, that first Strokes record. Oh, and yeah. uh, I was like, wow. And I remember even like making fun of them before I even knew they, you know, even heard them. And then I finally heard that record and I was like, Oh, this is great. <laughs> and then I've kind of, you know, 
got back into buying music again, and and you know now I do that again every Tuesday. I'm, well, not every every Tuesday because I don't do that anymore. But every week, you know, I'm buying stuff or you know. So where are and, you looking for your direction? Um, uh, for music. Yeah. I go online. I, it's mostly friends, people I follow on Instagram, or you know, artists, and uh, but I'll, I'll read reviews and but uh. For a long time, I was listening to music at work. Like a new record would come out and I'd be playing it at work. So I wasn't really paying attention. And maybe the last year or two, since I moved into this new place, I'd been kind of moving around for years. And now that I have been collecting records again and buying stuff, I'll sit down with a record and do like I did when I was 16 and sit there and listen to the record, flip it, (laughs) look at it, and listen to it in the car, you know, and, you know, buying CDs and vinyl again. And so it's been, it's been cool to kind of get back into that and just being engrossed in music rather than just having it. And that's what people do now, I think, is the culture of, you know, music listening is you have it on at work on your computer and it's like a on shuffle or something and it's sort of background noise and you don't get it. <laughs> you know, it's not this, you know, you're like, oh, this is... Yeah, I heard the new, you know, whatever record. It sounds great, but you didn't really pay attention until you sat with it. And I'm noticing that again, so I'm kind of excited to. And I think doing this podcast has kind of sprung that too. Just talk, like, talking to people about music and how they got into it and what moves them and stuff is kind of got that back into my life. So I'm kind of glad of that because cool. that was like a big part of everything yeah. is, is yeah, music. Totally. So. But I just had that that period where I was like, oh, there's no new stuff. And, and you know, granted, most of the stuff I listen to is from, you know, the 90s and, and previous. But there's still a lot of good stuff. I mean, it's, you'd be ridiculous to say, you know, at some point people can't make good music anymore. That doesn't make any sense. So. Right. Yeah, with the reviews, like book reviews and yeah. music reviews, like having the uh, external motivation yeah is nice you know um getting you know getting mail of any kind is, yeah. is great but <laughs> like getting books in the mail makes me be contemporary instead yeah. of just like rereading punk books right um i podcast for razor cake every six weeks or so mm-hmm. and having that deadline makes yeah. me actively go out and find yeah. stuff yep so, yeah i think having like a uh uh, yeah, like a deadline mm-hmm. or like a goal with, with stuff must be uh, make that easier. To, yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess there's um, plus at this point, like I, I have friends who write and play music too. Yeah. So it's like, it's easy to keep a finger in, in certain pies. Right. Yeah. Um, my buddy, well, I should, I should preface this by saying that I try and, you know, do readings as often as I can. Mm-hmm. So I do like... I try and do at least a week every summer. Yeah. Uh, I do weekends here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, when I started touring on novels, I did a reading in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's a town that already has, like, an aura around right. it. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, before the reading, which yeah. was in a basement, oh, nice. somebody is like, yeah, that used to be dead guys. Like, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, like, oh, Lifetime used to live down the street. So it's like, oh, my God, right. it's crazy. Yeah. From a basement in New Jersey? Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Or is it a basement in New Brunswick? No, a basement in New Jersey. I think it's New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. yeah. 
so I read with uh, a band. I read with um, Black Wine, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I was like, I was listening to a lot of like math rock when I lived in Boston. I was okay. like, sort of towards that like heavier side of Touch and Go. Oh yeah, like June of '44. And all oh that yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So I was away from uh, like pop punk for a yeah. while. Yep. You know, it's easy to burn out. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And I totally did. Yeah. Um, Jeff plays in Black Wine. Yep. He was in the Ergs, who were okay. a pop punk band. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, like, now I keep an eye on um, on New Brunswick. And yeah. There's all these amazing bands yeah. right there. Like, Screaming Females are the best band in the Oh, world. I love that band. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. Right. So they're from that scene. Yeah. Um, this new band character actor is Jeff with some of the Nightbirds. Oh, no. I love the Nightbirds. Nightbirds yeah. are awesome. Yeah. Uh, Spouter is like this weird kind of like Devo-y sounding oh, band. Yeah. Huh. And they're on State Champion Records, which yep. is uh, Mike and Burris's label, The Screaming Females. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's fun, like, you know, finding towns. I yeah. guess probably in a similar way yeah. as in before. In the 80s, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And being like, oh, okay, these weirdos yeah. live here. Yeah. Know, and these other weirdos live yeah. here. Yeah, so stuff is still out there. There's no, it's the, it's, it's you, the person. That has to go look for it, and right. and I think you know now there's so much to find, you know, especially with all the history and then the writing and and stuff that's in websites and blogs and documentaries now. So you know, I feel people now are spoiled. <laughs> I love I it. You know, it's cool to have like a book, you know, written by Dave from MDC now and stuff like yep. that. So I just read Al Schweitz's book. Oh, you did, and that book is great. Yeah, yeah, he. Hmm. Uh, it's like it's a prison narrative. Yeah, you know, and huh. it's like, huh? Be, I I never really thought about being in a band and yeah. being in prison in the right, same right. way. Yeah, but it's like there's tedium, you yeah. know, and there's, yeah, yeah. there's patterns to it. Yeah, so good. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, so you play. You've played music too. Mm-hmm. You and, and so in Dead Trend. Yep. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you the singer in Dead Trend? Uh, the only time I sing when I'm in Dead Trend is when. The lyric "dead trend" appears in a song. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like in half of our songs, yeah, uh, I've written in like the name of the band because yeah. uh, John Spencer Blues Explosion. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It always used to crack me up. Yeah, yeah. Blues so, Explosion. <laughs> yeah. So I play drums in that band. Oh okay. Um, when I moved to Maine, yeah, uh, after living in Boston for ten years, yeah, I moved to a house which had a basement and a garage. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Look at all this space. <laughs> so my buddy Damien, who I'm going to see after this, yeah. uh, gifted me a drum set. Oh, nice. And uh, I spent time... I took when the levee breaks into the basement, Yeah. trying to separate the, the bass foot mm-hmm. from my hands. Yeah. So basically, I can I can just play that kick pattern. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I can either play it fast or slow. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like a polka song. Right. Or it's like a classic rock song. Right, right. So I wrote, um, and I like I have one chord shape, right? You know, so I can play any Ramon song, <laughs> um, and I just like slide the chord up and down the neck. So I wrote, you know, like our our album False Positive was twenty seven yeah. songs, nice. like one chord shape. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wrote most of those. Yeah, and then on um, the we put out the anti Trump EP. Oh, nice. We put out Computers for Seniors. Oh, nice. And that's a seven song EP. <laughs> yeah. That's when we started splitting up the yeah. songwriting duties. Right. So yeah, I play play drums in the back. I uh, I yell the band's name nice. when it comes up. 
the <clears throat> first Dead Trend record is um, written as if it's 1986. Oh, nice. So we, we sing about Reagan and the president oh, nice. and Oliver North and all that stuff. Nice. Uh, and it's uh, it's so dumb. Yeah. It's so yeah, much yeah. fun. Yeah. Al, Al Quint and I had a band in the 80s called Shattered Silence. Oh, you were in Shattered Silence? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. So we did a reunion on his... Uh, 55th birthday a few years ago nice. with uh, Drop Dead and Fuck You Pay Me from uh, oh, Cleveland. Yeah. Like Tony Herb is in that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but same thing, we, we had a, we used to have a song called, uh, I can't remember the name, but it was about Oliver North. But I just remember thinking like, it's 2016, we're singing about Oliver North and our parents and shit like that. So, <laughs> but, uh, but that's, that's pretty cool. You know, what's funny is that, um, with, with the Evens records, yeah, right. They're uh, they're all super specific, but they but he doesn't Ian and Amy don't put the date stamps in there. Really? So with um, with like Bush Junior, you mm-hmm. know Bush Two, yeah. all of those songs were obviously about Bush Two, right. and you know then the Obama years happened. Yeah. And now you listen to those records, and like, <laughs> they make sense again. Yeah, like you know, oh, these scary. are these are Trump yeah. records. Yeah, yeah, I know it's pretty scary. Yeah. Whereas like our records are like. It's 1986. <laughs> we hate Ronald Reagan. You know, that's amazing. Yep. And uh, so to sort of wrap it up, sure. uh, moving forward, uh, what are you are you working on? Stuff now? Uh, yeah, like I'm, a... I'm working on the new thing, mm-hmm. which I'm like 45,000 words into. Yeah. I was starting to think that maybe I would get away with like the 60,000 word yeah. novel, which yeah. which Swing State is. Yeah. But it's starting to feel now like it's gonna be longer. It's gonna yeah. be ninety thousand. Um, nice. The book, I guess, is concerned with uh, with the day after. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah, that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that was on TV when I was ten. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> bad dreams. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. There's like there's there's a bunch of kids in in the Boston suburbs. Go figure. Yeah. And, and they're like sort of dealing with that and yeah. other stuff that's happening to them. Uh, so I'm working on that. I'm still doing reviews for Maximum and for Razor Cake. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully Dead Trend will play again sometime yeah. soon. Yeah. Two of those guys moved to Brooklyn. One of those guys moved to Richmond. Yeah. So I don't see them as often as I would like. Yeah. We recorded the last one on day 100. Yeah. You know, and uh, we were supposed to play this summer, but it, like or like May or June or something, but like wires got crossed. Right. It was probably my fault, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then like, I have some other, like some writing projects uh, that I don't want to talk about just right. yet. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, I'm just like, just trying to do the thing. Yeah, nice. And uh, you still go out and see music all the time and it still moves you, obviously. Is, oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah, you're going to see The Descendants tomorrow, you said. I am, yeah. That's pretty, uh, I saw them last year. Did you see uh, uh Lupos, or maybe two years? Was it two years ago? Was it Lupos? Like yeah. a, maybe a year with ago. With Nightbirds, right? Yeah, with Nightbirds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was at that. And show. they were so fucking good. Like yeah. you kind of forget that they're this, <clears throat> you know, poppy, catchy songs, but uh, the guitar playing and bass, playing, <laughs> the, the the instrumental is so perfect and like all over the place, and like the the bassist is. Uh, it's amazing. It's, it's so stuff. much fun to watch those guys play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a uh, there's an Instagram account I follow called uh, it's like Milo with his hand on his ass or something. It's just all pictures <laughs> of him singing because <laughs> he's always gonna. Yeah. That's a, that's good. I like that. But uh, anyway. So yeah, I, I'm trying to think who else I saw recently. This band from New Hampshire called Notches. Yeah. Um, 
are fantastic. Yeah. Um, it sounds like old ringing ear stuff. Yeah. It's got like the big sort of like fuzzy, crunchy hooks. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I saw them at nice. Charlie's this summer. Yeah. Uh, I see as many screaming female shows yeah. as I can. Um, I'm trying to think, my friends are in a new band called Rules. Yeah. Like, it's like my friend group's super group. You yeah. Know? So yeah. it's like uh, Garrison, Frozen Culture, Slow Four, Kids Near Water, mm-hmm. like all these, all my friends' bands. Yeah. So they played uh, pretty recently. I saw them. Yeah. And I'm always like, I'm always keeping an eye on listings as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, because I live on the Cape, I've been missing more shows than right. I've been seeing recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I missed radioactivity because I didn't buy tickets uh, fast right. enough. Yeah. Um, but I would have missed like some playoff game. Right. Yeah, of course. But I'm going to do that tomorrow when the Sox win the series. <laughs> <laughs> I hope yeah. I didn't jinx it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, thanks for doing this, Michael. Yeah. This has been great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure.